0: Madam Clerk, are we on? And we're good to go.
1: We are on and good to go.
0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the March twenty third, twenty twenty two QPSC. Um, uh, we like to start off with the purpose of this meeting. The purpose of the QPSC. The QPSC is established to provide oversight and leadership for medical staff credentialing, review of organizational policies and monitoring of organizational quality assurance, performance improvement and safety programs. The QPSC is charged with continuing the practice of direct communication with medical staff leaders on issues of clinical ops and patient care. That's our purpose uh, and our mantra we'll start. Let's go to uh, uh, a roll call please. Absolutely, Uh, Trustee Mm Banerjee. Trustee Bouquet. Here. Trustee Esteen. Here.
2: Trustee Jensen. Here.
3: We have a quorum, thank you.
0: Wow, four for four, that's awesome. Um, let's go to a public comment. And for public, just as a reminder, uh, the agenda has full and clear instructions for how to sign up for public comment. All feedback should be considered a gift, especially the painful stuff. so um, if there is any, uh, we're here to hear it. Madam Clerk.
2: Nobody has contacted me.
0: Wow, all right. That will close out public comment and we're moving along. Let's go into item A, the the, the uh, article, the, the chair's report. The article uh, presented this evening was a little bit of a dense read for those who, for, for some of you and for myself as well. is about a 13 pager and it had an interesting title. The U.S. Hospital Performance Methodologies, a Scoping Review to Identify Opportunities for crossing the quality chasm. This is really quality geek stuff, uh, which I really enjoyed reading. I know Dr. Tornabene enjoyed reading and and, and the likes of you who read it. So I wanna start out uh, giving my reasons for choosing uh, this article, three reasons. First, we're in the midst of developing our strategic plan. So I can think of no better time to be emphatic and deliberate about our organization's commitment to delivering high quality care not just care, high quality care. Second, uh, we are preparing to select our true north metrics for the next fiscal year. And this research and this presentation uh, in the, of this article can perhaps help frame that path. Uh, third, uh, this article pays homage to the Institute of Medicine's six domains of quality, steep, safety, timeliness, efficiency, effectiveness, equity, and patient-centeredness, and I'll read any article that proselytizes this gold standard framework for understanding what quality is made of. So those were sort of my three reasons for why we chose this article. Just to uh, our own little journal club to quickly navigate through here. My take on the Reader's Digest and then I'll open it up to the crowd, uh, of course. First, we all know that there are many hospital performance measurements instruments out there in the world. Many of us know the names of them. CMS Compare, Consumer Reports, US News and World Report, LeapFrog, just to name a few. Second point, we also know that these performance uh, measurement instruments are progressively being linked to reimbursement in pay for performance models. Yet quality metrics used in many of these measurements instruments may not actually reflect the quality of care which is being provided. So what did these investigators do? they sought to examine the landscape of all these hospital performance instruments which exist for for US hospitals. And quite frankly, they they looked at thousands of different ones, but sort of like eight of them sort of came to the forefront and met their methodology. You you guys will probably recognize the names of many of these eight. Consumer Reports, Health Grades, CMS Hospital Compare, the IBM Watson Health, model, Island Peer Review, I'd never heard of that one, the Joint Commission, of course, LeapFrog, and the U.S. News and World Report. Now, in their analysis, what was interesting was that most of these instruments, actually six out of the eight of them, included metrics which could be mapped to five of the steep domains, five domains, safety, timeliness, effectiveness, efficiency, and patient-centeredness. Now the specific metrics varied widely for each of these respective maps domains. So one might choose mortality, one might choose this or that. So there was a lot of variance amongst all these. Uh, But it shows that uh, all these systems were very considerate of these steep domains of quality with exception to one of of the elements of steep. And I'm sure the audience is gonna know what that one was. Interestingly and sadly, None of these eight instruments included a specific measure for equity, um, none of them. So well, what did they conclude? There, there really is no standard model for how to do this right. Mapping to STEEP, the Institute of Medicine STEEP uh, uh, framework seems to be a good guidepost, but the specific metrics within each of those, that's sort of up in the air. So it's, it, it, it's, it can potentially be overwhelming. The good news is that we are striving, we've been on this journey for a couple of years in our relationship with Steep, we're striving to use Steep as our guiding light here. And uh, on, if you look on our True North metric dashboard, we are mapped to five of the six Steep domains. But like all the others, we don't have a direct metric uh, for equity. And I think it's time, it's my hope that we'll be able to advance uh, that as we, Go into the new fiscal year and find a new um, uh, commitment to, to following how equity is is followed here as one of the critical domains of STEEP. And now I'll shut up and I'll 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 open it up to I know Trustee Banerjee and Trustee Estee and Trustee Jensen will have comments on 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 how we how we measure quality here. Um, I'll open up Trustee Banerjee first.
2: Yeah. Thank you for sharing this um, just really informative article, but also just reiterates what most of us know, like the patient-centeredness part of it and the equity part of it are always the hardest to measure and so hardest to kind of, you know, do that. But what was kind of also, it's not just you're not measuring it, but there is for some of the equity, there's race adjusted mortality rates. Now, that is not just neutral, that is actually giving you bad data because it's not race that determines your mortality, it's racism that determines mortality. Race is a social construct. So, uh, when you adjust your risk based on saying, like, oh, we adjust the mortality rate because, you know, blacks die like larger, but you are actually perpetrating inequity on so many different levels. So data equity, again, of like, what are the questions you're asking? Like, what are you measuring? Because data is never, never, never neutral. And how you, what we measure can also be uh, really like the proxy measures that we use could sometimes again be ways in which we disguise in unintentionally but we you know obfuscate we sh- change uh, the story or the narrative of what's happening and so there has to be like a lot of like real thoughts being put into what the metrics are so I love that this came up at this time because as we are thinking about our uh, strategic planning and we are thinking about like all the work that that's happening throughout but then there are pockets of Uh, places where folks are really thinking, like, how do we use, um, how do we build metrics for equity in ways that does not, you know, you can have universal uh, goals, and you can still have targeted strategies, it's not like, oh, um, you know, but sometimes when we say healing, teaching all, like we will be doing this for all, it's both and, but that doesn't mean that we won't have very, very explicit targeted strategies for those who are marginalized and who tend to be uh, left out um, of, the, of the healthcare system. And I'll shut up after this. One last thing is that the February issue of health affairs, and I meant to send it to you, Chair, uh, book it for QPSC was all on medical racism and just a series of really eye opening. The thing is, we know it happens. The question is like, what what do we do about it? And I think like more research that says that happens, that happens. Yeah, is like we need to focus a lot more. And that had very concrete examples of what we could be doing. So I will I will send that uh, link to uh, share it with Rana.
0: Yeah, Trustee Banerjee, if you'll send that link to me and Rana, and that will be the article for next month. Thank you for your comments. Thank you. um, I see two hands up and I'll, I'll, I'll give deference to um, Mr. Jackson first and Mr. Fraski. and if uh, trustees of or Jensen have any con- uh, anything to say that, of course we want to hear them. Mr. Jackson, sir.
4: Thank you, Chair Bouquet and I, I put my hand up but I did not mean to um, get in before the trustees. I can certainly hold my comments until after the trustees have given theirs.
0: Mr. Jackson, please go.
4: <laughs> ah, thank you. Thank you kindly, Chair Bouquet. I thought it was a wonderful article. Um, I was really struck by a lot of things, but specifically what jumped out at me was the, the idea that they posit late in the article, which I think is a truism. And they said that um, observing differences in health between subgroups within their community is essential to achieving health equity. And I, you know, some might argue the point, I, I think they're right. And they go on to say that social determinants of health are being recognized as important proxy measures of health equity. And that excites me because I think that AHS is digging in with the leadership of Dr. Swift, Arlene Gomez and others and really doing this work. And so I'm excited about the journey that we're on and this really is validating to me. Um, But it does note that um, in order to develop richer and more diverse um, social determinant health data sets, the data is needed in order to better achieve health equity in the context of value-based care. And so there's work to be done, but this really, I think, for me, was an affirmation of the path that we're on and just really um, strengthens my resolve in this manner. So thank you.
0: Thank you, sir. And I imagine we'll be hearing some of this at Friday's retreat uh, with regard to equity in life. Mr. Fraski, then Ms. Jensen, I see that those are two hands up. Um, you
5: know, I just, uh, I thought the article was great. And um, along with a metric related relating to equity, all of the metrics that we choose should have the way we slice and dice our data should um, include, um, you know, subcategories of equity. I, I believe they all they all we can overlay equity over all of the metrics. The other thing I thought was kind of interesting about this is all the different organizations had. Strengths like the IBM and health grades it was all, all outcome measurements. Um, and then if you look at like the Joint Commission, it's all process metrics. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen it s- displayed that way, but maybe that's why Joint Commission um, surveys are so, uh, you always walk away thinking, gosh, I wish you would just pay attention to our outcomes. Yeah. not necessarily the process and how we got there, but rather what that outcome is. And it makes more sense when you look at it now, but I think we need to balance in our scorecard, like um, you know, leapfrog and, and the, the Medicare um, data was all pretty balanced between structural process and, and
0: outcomes, I thought. Well, yeah, thank you, Mr. Fraski, great comments. And wow, you really did read the article. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Trustee Jensen, then Dr. Tornabene, and then Trustee Esteen.
3: Um, I was actually really thinking the same thing and, and viewing it the same way that um, that Mark Mark did, and I I found notable um, having actually worked at CMS at the time, you know when and, and knowing how hospital compare CMS uh, Medicare compares is how it's used that that it it doesn't. In, contain any equity measures, which is surprising. And also, to Mark's um, point, that that the um, the readmission, especially readmissions and and complications, are not um, measured by Leapfrog or by um, the Joint Commission. Which, right, those are the things that seem to to tell us, at least. Um, the providers, how, how well they're doing. So those were the things that really jumped out at me. I, I also thought it was a, a really well-done article. It, it, it really made me... Um, and they are for percent. some of the measures that are being done by especially it's surprising again with joint commission and leapfrog the focus is there the joint commission focus on safety and or excuse me leapfrog's focus on safety and joint commission more focused on effectiveness but yeah. really little really little about um the process so thanks for sharing that taft uh,
0: thank you Trustee jensen dr tornabene and then uh, trustee Esteen will close out the house
6: Great, yeah, there were a few points in this, one of which that was a direct quote from the article um, is uh, on measures of performance are dependent upon availability of data. And I just wanted to call that out. We have a wonderful EHR and seemingly endless amounts of data but when we're talking about a specific metric, it can take months to build and to be validated and to be true. Because, as Trustee Banerjee said, dev, uh, data is never neutral. So we have to try and, and make sure that we're building it as uh, with as much truth, our truth, um, as possible. Number two is is I, I found it really deeply profound. It's not surprising, but for, profound what they um, what the authors found in in terms of the dearth of equity metrics. And uh, three, um, there was clear reference to the fact that disparate measures and methodologies can be really confusing. And so as we're starting to build towards a new true North metric dashboard. Clarity, simplicity—I think—are also important values. And then, a, a physician who I sent it to and read um, read it t- today, and she and I were speaking earlier today, and it was more the sense of HS is not alone in grappling with this. This is clearly an issue, uh, you know, across um, uh, healthcare. And then, lastly, which is of course, uh, you know, the, this article was had a focus on the hospital, but certainly we'll be faced with um, uh, developing metrics, not just about the hospital, but also about ambulatory and other parts of our system. You know, So how do we incorporate all parts of our system in the True North metric dashboard?
0: Thank you, Dr. Many great comments. Trustee Esteen, how about you end this uh, agenda item
7: for us? Yeah, I think you all are incredibly uh, astute and eloquent in your read of this. And what I appreciate is that we are on the precipice of something new and that AHS gets to be a part of building uh, whatever it is that we come up with for our new metrics. And because there's so much dearth, because equity is sadly a new measure, even though we know about the ACEs study and we know about inequitable outcomes this is still groundbreaking and we have so much room to improve outcomes and to do better for our communities. Um, I think that as we, I I don't know what uh, the writings of our medical staff look like, but I think that as we go through this process of creating our data and our metrics, there will be good studies that can be published that other people can use that will identify equity measures and equity outcomes and we can help lead the way. So I really look forward to AHS being a standard bearer uh, because of the need for research and because of the need and the communities we serve will benefit so much. Um, Yeah, we have a long way to go in this country as we have seen with the Supreme Court hearings uh, this week. And when we talk about equity, it really impacts our entire life. And sometimes you feel it because we don't have tangible ways to measure that which is a social construct. So it is a a yeoman task to try to create tangible measures of racism and the outcomes that happen when racism touches our society. So, hope Uh,
0: that makes sense. Thank you, Trustee Esteen, I agree. We need to be a standard bearer on this. And it's just the start of the the journey to uh, to put it on the dashboard. It's not the end point. You know, we're not gonna find the perfect one, but but making efforts. So I would suggest that this committee can't go forward in the new fiscal year without an equity measurement. We just have to find one which will be given to us. Trustee Banerjee.
2: And I, you know, Trustee Esteen, you had such a great closure. I wanted to add two more things to it. One is that today is exactly 12 years since the Affordable Care Act was signed 12 years ago. And many of us were hmm. in those spaces. Um, putting in the provisions doing the work and so so much has happened in those in these 12 years of being able to like uh, have access have so many folks who were out of it be and yet we have so much to uh, still ways to go so like look what has happened in a decade like we should Look back and be very proud of like all that has happened, and yet like this is ongoing. And at that time, folks didn't think we could do population health, that we could have metrics that really is that where we are, you know, responsible for things that happen outside the walls of our hospital, and yet we were able to do it. And even now, there are so many places, again, uh, w- w- where good data is possible to do we are all working towards it and I, I know that I feel very confident that with the heady committee that that's over here Tangerine um, Brigham is the executive sponsor for it um, Dr. Swift uh, co-chair so many others They're just uh, incredible work is happening within our uh, organization and you know that has to be not something off on the side, but something that is a through line that that you all are working for.
0: Thank you everyone for that dialogue and discussion. Uh, uh, I blew my agenda time, but this was a worthwhile discussion. So with that, let's uh, close out item A and let's go to item B, the consent agenda. Um, Trustees, I'd like to make a motion to pull items B2 and B3 for uh, discussion and clarification. And therefore, make a motion to approve items B one, the minutes, and B four, medical staff privilege forms. If that's acceptable to everyone. Okay. Roll call, Madam Clerk.
2: Trustee Banerjee, aye. Trustee Bouquet, aye. Trustee Estine,
7: aye. (laughs) Thank you, Trustee Jensen.
0: She, she did it did it
3: And uh, that works for... <laughs> Thank you Motion passes.
0: Okay. so thank you everyone for entertaining for, for approving that motion. So the reasons I pulled items B2 and B3 and it just might be clerical, but usually these policies and pre- procedures follow a, a, uh, an approval pathway with with when it was approved. and there are a number of blank spaces for MEC approval. Remember trustees, it needs to flow through the MEC before it comes to us. And it just might be clerical that they weren't there. Uh, so I'll, I'll receive comment from uh, any of the chiefs of staff or, or, or uh, who submitted the policies and procedures. Dr. Williams, good evening.
8: Good evening. Um, so I have received an update from Satir that we do have approval dates. Uh, there was a clerical error about not including them in the document. I can verbally provide the dates based on the information I have received. If that's helpful, uh, I, I,
0: the, the dates may not be as necessary as uh, you, you can confirm that the, that items B two and B three, the ten policies and procedures, the two medical staff policies and procedures have navigated the BE, the MEC and have been approved by the MEC?
8: Yes, let me confirm that uh, from the um, agenda. Uh, item B3 um,
0: is uh, the HIV specialist credentialing yes, process and yes, the medical both, staff monitoring.
8: Yes, both of these were discussed at the last AHS MEC and approved.
0: OK, got it. And uh, uh, these apply to Dr. Joshi as well, I believe.
1: Yes, and so these were also approved by the AHMEC as well, B3. Okay,
0: okay great. So that was just pure clerical uh, trustees. Uh, remember, we wanna kind of follow our, our governance, which is we're the last to see it after it navigates things like pharmacy, clinical practice committee, and, and MEC. So if, uh, if those can be updated and sent to the clerk of the board uh, with that uh, tr- approval pathway, then I think that's that's great my my second comment on was uh from uh uh the marijuana policy um so uh is it possible um madam clerk or council to pull up page 63 of the of 128 and it's basically language and process issue not a policy issue with the marijuana policy
7: give me just one moment please
0: yes ma'am
3: um, while John is getting that tapped, I just wanted to um, point out to the to board my colleagues on the board um, the 340B policy is is it, it's a good something good to read. It was helpful to me because I've often had questions about 340B about the program and about um, who's covered and who provides the medications, et cetera, the drugs. So um, I just wanted to to, to highlight that. And I thank you for. Um, for sharing that, hopefully that'll- I agree,
0: Trustee Jensen, it it created some light at the top of the murkiness, on top of the murkiness. So that was good. Um, uh, At the top of the document in front of everyone's eyes is bullet point three, I, 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 and it relates to violation of this policy. And I'm gonna read it to people, and I don't know if this is the syntax or, or something. Unless otherwise provided by law, a violation of this policy is subject to disciplinary action Up to and, that should be and, including, I don't really care about the D, but let's put it in there. Up to and, including the revocation of visitation privileges, refusal to admit or continue to threat the patient. What does that mean? And then there was silence.
3: (laughs) probably treat.
0: Okay, uh, or, or yes, or continue to treat the patient. Got it. We don't want to threat any patients. <laughs> so, uh, if if that if that that actually makes sense, uh, if if that with with those provisions, uh, I'm good with approving items B two and B three. Um, uh, who do we whose responsibility do we give to to make that syntax uh, to correct that? McFly, anyone? Dr. I T
5: can work with the tears. Oh, sorry. I'm not.
0: you you're muted, Dr. T.
5: I'm muted. Uh, no, oh sorry, there's uh, Dr. Tortobini.
0: with oh, half hand. Up. Okay.
5: Yeah. I can about. work with
3: <laughs> Rana to get it resolved, Dr. Bouquet. Thank this you, ma'am. So, sure. so 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 yeah. given
0: so given given uh, those the amendment to the marijuana policy and and the notation that that all these policies uh, and procedures from B two and B three were actually approved by the MEC. I'd like to entertain a motion to approve items B two and B three.
3: Approved. Second.
0: We have say. a second. Uh, can we roll call it?
2: Uh, Trustee Banerjee, aye. Trustee Bouquet, aye. Trustee Esteen.
3: aye.
2: Trustee Jensen, that wasn't my. I think she said, I, yes. Yeah, can you hear me now? We can hear you now, sorry. Thank you, Tracy, the motion passes.
0: Okay, thank you, everybody. All right, we're done through with consent agenda. Let's go to item B3, which is our medical staff reports where we hear directly from our medical staff leaders. Um, Dr. Williams is right there on camera. Let's go with Dr. Williams first. Good evening, Dr. Williams.
8: Good evening, evening board, good evening, everyone. Um, All right, I'm gonna get started with my report. Um, uh, we have received um, a, a quality and safety committee report at the last MEC, and I wanted to highlight that Highland and San Leandro Hospital readmission rates are at goal, and our system-wide uh, CG CAP scores are actually above goal. These are the scores for outpatient care in terms of patient experience, so we're doing well there. Um, Um, I have a few updates regarding the department chair searches. Um, Our anesthesiology department chair um, has accepted the position and will be starting um, in July of this year. Um, This provider will also be our um, medical director for PeriOp system-wide, very exciting. Um, We still searching for the chair of internal medicine and orthopedics um, and emergency medicine department chair search was launched. So hopefully we going to start seeing candidates uh, sooner rather than later. Um, We have also received a report from the department of surgery. Um, In terms of the key concerns, we have a few on the list uh, for today. Um, Alameda health system governance structure sort of Medical staff is still following the process and um, appreciate any updates about this. A few medical staff leaders have expressed a desire to be involved in the discussion as, if possible. I'm not sure whether it's possible or not, but I thought I'd bring it up and get some feedback about that. Um, we are also waiting for updates regarding the strategic plan. And my understanding is that um, during the Friday's retreat, well, we'll probably hear more about it. Um, during the, the surgery, uh, Department of Surgery report, um, it was shared that our caseload in our ORs is still below pre COVID numbers, which is a concern because, of course, we want to utilize our operating rooms appropriately. So. Um, I know that there are system wide efforts to develop um, block schedule that will hopefully go into effect soon. Um, Operating room staffing was also among the concerns that sort of affect our OR utilization. So that is on our radar and we really hope that we're going to continue working on improving um, that aspect of our care. Um, we also received a report uh, regarding um, efforts around biomed equipment monitoring and standardization of the process around it. Um, wh- one of the concerns that medical staff expressed was that um, we still need to figure out how end users, i.e. providers, can be involved in that discussion and sort of being able to provide feedback about equipment that's being purchased. Um, So that's why I also put it on our concerns list. Um, At the same time, the structure that's being built about um, biometh seems very promising. And we appreciate the efforts um, that were put um, into that process development. And that concludes my report.
0: Thank you, Dr. Williams. Uh, uh, On two points I'd like to address. Number one, uh, yes, the strategic plan will be further discussed. Uh, on Friday from one, uh, probably one to about four, and then we have a different session item. This is an open meeting. Of course, we want uh, a physician leader, sorry, anyone who wants to come, in particular the physician leadership to know which direction the organization is going. So that's the strategic plan. And, and as everyone knows, uh, I think that uh, it has been the intention of this administration and this board to, and to, to be broad in its stakeholder analysis. So I think many uh, many physicians and uh, uh, were involved in those discussions. So that's number one. So please uh, uh, send that out to all your colleagues. Any anyone and everyone is invited. It's public. The second is the governance uh, discussion. The 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 governance discussion is actually uh, being led uh, by the board of supervisors. Mr. Jackson and I get to represent the voice of Alameda Health System on this. Uh, It's a it's a very actually small uh, group of. Uh, Mr. Jackson, how would we describe ourselves? Advisors to the committee. The actual committee are two of the supervisors. So we're there to provide uh, information, but actually not to necessarily, uh, uh, the decision is at the board of supervisor level. Um, so those are closed session meetings as determined by the board of supervisors. Uh, we will, we will, Mr. Jackson and I will inform all our internal stakeholders as directed by um but the board of supervisors. But as of right now, these meetings are 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 internal and closed discussion meetings right now. And of course, everyone's going to want their stakeholders involved, and we'll do so. We serve we serve in this capacity at the leisure of the supervisors, and and they've asked us to 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 keep um, the discussions going within the, the context of the group. And they'll let us know when we can we can advise out. Hopefully that wasn't too murky. Mr. Jackson, did that sound appropriate, sir? No, it's it's very accurate. It is kind of, um, I think it's difficult for folks
4: to grasp because you said it, we are not members of the, the committee. We're not decision makers, but we are there in then in advisory capacity. I think that's the nuance that is sometimes lost. Yeah. Um,
0: okay. Those are, uh, Dr. Williams, those are my comments on two of your agenda items. Uh, Obviously, the biomed and operating room uh, utilization goes to ops uh, with our our CMO and COO. I, my impression is that these are going moving in very positive directions.
6: Yes, I would say that uh, for sure. I think one of the things that we're really excited about is the the um, so-called phase four of our of our OR plan, where you know phase one was way back almost two years ago, as as we started to think about the recovery um, after the initial phase of the pandemic. And so in in phase four, and I really I, I mean this has been incredible work by our perioperative leaders, physicians, and and you know our OR managers and OR directors. Um, working together on um, coming up with how we start to expand our OR offerings. This includes moving, um, for example, some of the pain procedures um, from Alameda to San Leandro and expanding to three running ORs at Alameda. And um, should all stars align, which it looks like they are, that should go forth um, towards the end of April.
0: Amazing, Dr. Tornivani. It's exciting. Been talking about it for years. Yeah, (laughs) yes. Trustees, any other comments for Dr. Williams or questions? Dr. Williams, thank you for your report. Thank you. Good evening, Dr. Joshi.
1: Hi, everyone, good evening. Thank you for having me tonight. Um, As you can see, my report that's submitted in the board book and happy to answer any questions about it. Just want to highlight a few things. So in terms of operations, as we all know, the ambulance hard offload has been in the works already. There's been a few follow-up meetings. Um, I know that at Alameda Hospital yesterday was particularly busy. There was one hard offload that happened in the PM hours. Um, Things so far seem to be going well, but we are losing our um, state-issued paramedics on March 31st. And so I'm not sure what the plan will be after that. Those individuals are very important. They are staffing outside of AHS who can help us with these patients, because as you all know, we have to hard offload somebody either because we don't have physical capacity or the the staffing ratios are not there. So these individuals have played a big role. So I'll be curious to see what we end up doing um, to address the fact that we won't have them after March 31st. I also wanna highlight in terms of operations, we've been working with Troy Ashford's team in radiology, Dr. Yasumoto and Dr. Nathan Gaines in creating a process where if our teleneurologists recommend a fast MRI in a stroke patient, that we are able to get that done. And so Alamine Hospital is the stroke center. A fast MRI is not indicated for all, it's very, um, you know, very narrow indications. But up until recently, to be able to get a STAT MRI for a patient, uh, actually with an AHS, has been a challenge. But by working with Mr. Ashford's team, Dr. Yasumoto, and Dr. Gaines, we've been able to actually create a pathway to get that done. We had one patient actually get this process done about two weeks ago, my patient, even before we officially launched. And it went very well. Some of this uh, was delayed because... We didn't know that we had a cardiac monitor that was compatible for MRI. We do. Now there's some supply issues that are um, um, kind of struggling because of throughput, you know, supply chain across the world. But overall, we're moving in the right direction. So we just want to highlight that positive for operations. Uh, Strengths, I really want to recognize Katie McKenzie and the AHS Simulation Center. Katie works really hard. If you haven't had the chance to meet her, I highly recommend it. One of the best things that she does is incite to simulations, which is where she brings the mannequin to the location of patient care. So to, to try to get physicians and nurses and techs to show up to a simulation center is great, but a challenge to actually get done. And so insight to simulation is where you bring the mannequin to the workplace real time. And Katie works with us and knows that the hospital operates 24 hours a day. So she comes at all times of the day. Um, Last week, she did a simulation with me. Uh, I think it was 3.30 in the morning that she did it. Um, Last night, she did a mock code blue on the med surge floors of Alameda hospital at 8 p.m. with uh, Jessica Vinkovich, the assistant nurse manager. Katie said it went extremely well. In fact, one of the best mock code blues that she's seen since doing this. Um, Some opportunities, patient experience. Uh, We've been working with the patient experience team um, under Angela Ng and Olivia, and we've been making great progress. We're going to be piloting a program where we have a small cohort of physicians who opt in to work in workshop style training to develop communication skills for when we work with our patients. I'm really excited about this uh, because it's not identifying those who have had challenges. It's not coming from a punitive place, but really of a place of gaining skills and recognizing that our patients are equal partners with us and important stakeholders in the care that we give. So I'm really excited of the work that's going to come from that. The Workplace Violence Committee under Mario Harding and Roe Lofton gave their presentation to ELT. Uh, We have our kickoff meeting tomorrow, actually, so I'm excited to see what that will bring. Uh, SCORE survey, we're moving along in our um, survey in terms of filling it out. Um, I know that the physicians and APPs have filled it out. Um, We're also early stage working on a professional standards committee. Often there are issues that are referred to the med staff that involve professionalism's issues. And it can be a challenge to know how to inquire about them, to gather information, what it means to uh, decide what should outcome be. So we're going to be gathering a group of physicians to have them have special training, essentially to create expertise in this really sticky area. Some key concerns, uh, clinical equipment. Dean Schold presented at our MEC on Friday uh, a quite extensive list of equipment across the system. I'm really looking forward to partnering with him uh, because we've had some issues at Alameda Hospital. And so getting a handle on our equipment, how it's ordered, maintained, serviced, stocked, who's responsible for all these different stages. I think it's, it's a huge ask, and I'm glad that Dean Schold is going to be taking it on. Um, in our consultants, we still have opportunities to kind of further our telemedicine and to continue to work with our team, uh, like Dr. Williams, for um, providing our patients with access to outpatients subspecialties. specialties. Um, that's the conclusion of my report. Happy to answer any questions.
0: A lot of good stuff in that, Dr. Joshi. I see a hand from Trustee Esteen.
7: You know, when you say state paramedics, who are these folks? How many are they? And why are they leaving?
1: So... I'm wondering if Mark Fratsky might be better, or Mark Mark Brown or Mario Harding could be better to specifically talk to you you talk about that. But basically, with the hard offload times, part of the kind of workaround for that was when the hospitals gave the argument that the reason why we struggle is because of staffing. We were provided these individuals, so they are in the hospitals. All three of the hospitals. At Alameda Hospital, we have been given two and they kind of split like morning shift and kind of evening shift. So they're not there overnight, but they're there for a decent amount of time. And they don't have epic access as of yet. They uh, can do things like sit and watch, for example, a psychiatric 5150 patient. They can help with stalking. Um, And so there are limitations, but the things that they can do are actually very helpful types of things. Why March 31st? I'm not hundred percent sure why.
0: Mr. Fratsky, sir.
5: Yeah. They're supplied by the state, um, free of charge to us. Um, for, and, and they're limited in their time. They're with us. Um, the state would have to, I think, I think if Mark was here, he'd know a little more, but I think the state has to approve, the, um, an extension. Um, and I don't believe they have done that yet.
0: So Dr. Joshi, it sounds like like you have till like next Thursday or so, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I know that Mark Brown, Mario Harding, Nelda have been working on trying to understand what we can do to um, kind of keep some level of support.
0: Okay. Good question, Trustee Esteem. Trustee Banerjee, Trustee Jensen, any questions with regard to the Alameda Hospital report? Dr. Joshi, you might have seen the agenda this evening, which... uh, our marquee report, Dr. Tornabene's item, is actually Troy Ashford talking about MRI access. I think that will be of any of relevance to any, any uh, clinician within the system. It's uh, the preview on the report is it, 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 it'll it'll be a good report. So I, I hope you can join us for that. Trustees, any other questions for Dr. Joshi? Thank you, Dr. Joshi. Good
9: evening, Dr. Fazali. Hi. Good evening, all. Um, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm going to highlight a couple of uh, strengths, and uh, I'm going to start off by thanking uh, Dr. Strilaskaya, the Chair of Medicine, as well as Dr. Tuna Bene for a uh, recent uh, great news regarding consulting services, which we've all heard so much about uh, in the past few months, but uh, positive movement in that direction. Uh, San Leandro Hospital now has a formal cardiology call schedule that will be using the same uh, physician's group that we uh, were previously in a less formal capacity, uh, but having a formal call scheduled now uh, will hopefully stabilize that service for us uh, for the time being. So thank you for making that happen, Dr. Tornabene. I don't think Dr. Trulskaya is on the call with us. Um, the uh, second item I'd like to highlight, which created a lot of anxiety back in, uh, in January, and this was the state uh, and CMS review of the Mtala response. I'm sure you'll hear more about it eventually. Uh, I wanted to thank Regulatory Affairs and their uh, awesome response to, uh, to the uh, uh, issues highlighted by the final CMS report um, and working with everyone uh, involved in the process in, in uh, making appropriate responses and action items uh, for us to address uh, some of the deficiencies that I think are are critical to address and tie into um, other areas uh, such as staffing uh, Dr. Josie just mentioned the state uh, EMTs um, now uh, you know they, they've they've been uh, sort of taking some of the load off of some of the work that our techs and, and such do which uh, I think is critical and so ties into into how we staff our EDs. Um, the San Leandro ED is uh, missing a nursing manager at the moment. Um, but. Uh, with the next nursing manager, I'm hoping to address how we how we staff the ED and, and how, uh, uh, I guess, how tightly we run the ship. Uh, having a little bit of flexibility in the emergency department goes a long way uh, in patient safety. Um, and so uh, these EMTs, at least for San Leandro and Alameda, have been providing a great service and actually has been a lesson uh, in how things could be better. Um the uh, uh, next thank you goes to the quality department. Uh, of course, we've all received uh, Darshan Graywell's uh, uh, culture safety survey uh, reminders daily. Uh, however, uh, Darshan, her team has been instrumental in the ED as well with the ED arrival process that I've been talking about uh, for uh, many months now. Um, so their support is uh, invaluable. Um, the ED, uh, Alameda and San Leandro has received Beta's ED quest for zero award, which is great. I just heard about that. So thank you for uh, all your support in that regard. Um, the ED arrival process in particular, I have uh, at the board meeting, I'd mentioned that there were uh, a number of uh, bumps that we had to cross still, uh, specifically relating to registration being being a party to the process. Um, and I'm happy to report that we made progress in that regard, although. Uh, it's not complete, they're still not uh, out in the in the lobby helping to arrive patients, but uh, we've set uh, a deadline of March 31st and addressing some of the barriers uh, to it. So I'm, I'm hopeful that by our April meeting, I'll have uh, some positive uh, and definitive news to share on that front. Um, and uh, by that month, I'll also hopefully have a full month of, uh, of data uh, relating to uh, the impact that this change uh, has had, and uh, I mentioned at the board meeting as well that the initial uh, glance I've taken at this data is very promising. Though I'm holding my breath and hoping it's not a it's not a fluke. Uh, but next month, hopefully, I'll have uh, more definitive data to be able to share with you. Um, I will pause there uh, for any questions.
0: Trustees, any questions of Dr. Avzali? Thank you, Dr. Avzali. That's uh, you know, always a helpful and thoughtful and honest report, I appreciate that.
10: Thanks.
0: And, and uh, I think the MRI report will be of consequence to you to your team as well this evening. So hopefully you, can, hopefully you can see that. And uh, uh, again, uh, you know, forward steps is what I say, forward steps. Uh, trustees, any other questions of Dr. Avzali or comments? Doctors, thank you for, your, uh, for, for coming and showing up and uh, bringing your comments and your feedback and uh, the consideration. So with that, we'll close out item C. We'll go to item D, uh, which is our patient safety, regulatory affairs, and quality, and true North metric dashboard. This agenda item is led by our vice president of quality, uh, Anna Torres, and of course, supported by our system director of patient safety, Darshan Graywall, our Director of Regulatory, System Director of Regulatory Affairs, Nilda Perez, and our Quality Analytics Manager, Annette Johnson. Good evening, Ms. Torres, how are you?
11: Good evening, I'm great. Hello everyone. So I'm going to share my screen. So as I go through through North Metrics report. Thank you very much. So this is our data for January. As I go through the report, um, keep in mind that January was impacted by COVID. Um, and when we see February data next month, we were impacted somewhat by Covid uh, in February as well. but March should look better. Um, anyway, getting to this report, we have um, under our access, we did, I, I think fairly well with our days to next to third next available appointment, we met with one metric and with the other metric, we are very close to meeting. So we think in the next couple months, um, we should be meeting with that metric. They were uh, primarily impacted, you can see the blip up here with the clinic closures during the holidays. Our length of stay measures um, and ED throughput were really um, heavily impacted by COVID. We had a lot of patients in the hospital, but also impacted by SNF closures. Um, SNFs were not accepting patients because either they didn't have staff or they had outbreaks themselves. So it sort of caused the ripple effect as we had to hold those patients uh, in our facility. Moving forward, our um, strategy is the care optimization project. Um, That project started in December and the team has already started planning out the future state of of what they'd like the throughput to look look like. Um, Do keep in mind that it takes time to uh, develop the strategies and implement them. So we're not expecting to see Um, results immediately, but we we should start to see some movement on that. Um, Moving down to the quality metrics, our Quip is at 56%, which is actually a very good performance. If you recall the Quip resets um, every year, it's a calendar year metric. So Um, We are one year into, uh, I'm sorry, we are one month into the year and they are already meeting with over half of their metrics. Um, With this program, the targets do get harder to reach every month. Um, I'm sorry, every year the targets get harder to reach. So um, again, very good performance. And if you recall for 2021, we did have that COVID mitigation plan. So we fully expect that for 2021, they hit 100% of their metrics and will receive full funding. Um, under readmissions, um, we were a bit challenged. We did have Highland, as Dr. Um, Williams mentioned, uh, that met the readmit goal. And I think uh, San Leandro did as well. Alameda had a little bit of a struggle. Uh, part of what Alameda is doing is is really um, reviewing every uh, readmission. And what they've identified is that quite a few of their readmissions are related to substance use. So they are um, heavily engaged in the substance use navigators. Under hospital acquired infections, we see that we are a bit higher than the goal. We're at 0.71. But when we look at the detail, which is not on this uh, on this report, we do see that they are performing um, a little bit better with the infection control me- metrics. The one area where they are still struggling is with the uh, um, SSI, which is the surgical site infections. There is a performance improvement team that is working with um, to to improve those metrics um, with the physician staff. They've uh, looked at the bundles, and what the bundles is, it's a series of evidence-based um Uh, care that when all implemented together tend to have uh, give hospitals better performance with the metrics. So they are looking at their bundled data and they are specifically focusing on the antibiotic piece, whether the appropriate antibiotic was given and whether the dosage um, was correct and whether the timing was appropriate. Um, So as they begin to do more work um, on this, we're going to start to see these measures. I'm very hopeful with the SSIs. Um, Moving on to patient experience, Um, we met with uh, the first one, which is rate hospital 9 or 10. And we did not meet with the other one, which is uh, related to the clinics. Again, there was an impact with COVID here. Uh, In March, as we start to see those COVID numbers really decrease, um, we think that we're going to see better uh, performance with our our patient experience. Um, Primarily, a lot of the nurse managers who who were the ones doing the hourly rounding and ensuring that the whiteboards were updated, were pulled into patient care because we were severely staffed. Um, we had such severe staff shortages. Uh, that has abated somewhat in March. Um, so the focus is still on communication. You know, evidence shows that Uh, communicating with the patients and with their family does tend to improve the metrics so that is still our goal is the implementation of gift the hourly rounding and um, uh, completing the whiteboards any questions on the true north metrics report
0: Ms. Torres obviously we uh, you know we we don't like seeing red however uh, you know this it's never that simple so I ask the audience and the trustees attention to go to the trend lines. And what we can see is consistency, right? And that's a, that's a better place to work from than uh, great swings and variation. So I, I, I think we have some, some, something to work with good here. Yeah.
11: Yeah, and, and what I always like to compare is always to baseline, right? We really haven't gotten worse than baseline yeah. uh, if, if you compare the two. Um, and some of these metrics will hit by the end of the year. We, we will reach the goal. I, I think one of the important things is that there really is, really is work uh, occurring around each of these metrics is either a PI team or there's a, a focus group, even if it's not a PI team, there is a focus group that's working on improving the performance um, at each of the hospitals.
0: Ms. Torres, uh, 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 I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. Um okay. Uh, this is our current dashboard as you're starting to forecast with your team, and we'll probably look for a presentation maybe May so we can vote in June. What, what looks like keepers here uh, for, for the dashboard for for the 2022 for 23 dashboard?
11: Well, for sure, the metrics under quality and experience have to be there because um, when you look at star rating and leapfrog, that, that was the article for today. Um, was these publicly reported measures. Um, But the fact is that is what everyone looks at Um, and we've got to perform well with those metrics. So all of the infection control ones, um, not only are they on the publicly reported but they're value-based purchasing and we do get dinged um, with some of these metrics if we don't meet. So patient experience, um, HAIs, hospital acquired infections, readmissions, Um, Quip I think needs to stay on there, although they do a fabulous job and and I'm sure that by the end of the year they will meet but I I think it's good to have um, eyes on that. Under access, I think access is a big problem for us so we'll have to keep some sort of access measure. Um, I'm not sure whether it would be one of these, but I think we definitely need something around access. So I don't think that was a uh, my answer was a big help because we need to keep quite a few of them. No, it, was um,
0: a help. it shows <laughs> that we're tracking the things that, that are appropriate for us to be tracking.
11: Yeah. And, and there may be other measures that we need to add. Um, one of the ones that always comes to my mind is the sepsis. Um, You know, everyone's measuring sepsis, it leads to high mortality. So that probably needs to be on our report card at some point. We do have a series of meetings scheduled to review um, the possible metrics and to start planning this. um, So we should have something pretty soon.
0: Thank you, Ms. Torres. Trustee Banerjee, I see your hand. Yeah,
2: thank you. Uh, Thank you for that, Ms. Torres. uh, these, These dashboards, as we as you share, and um, I, I know that Milta and Felicia, Dr. Bene, Ms. Paris will also be presenting. This is, these are great uh, opportunities because you see them at the macro level and also at the granular level to then, to kind of bring the equity conversation about like, this is average and like who is doing better and who is doing worse and where are the folks pro- who have multiple challenges probably having trouble getting appointments or who, who, you know, so like a little bit deeper into like where, where, how we are like capturing some of the equity uh, data would be lovely if you all see it, I'm sure, but for us to learn of it at the board level. Um, And then finally, I was interested to see, because I know we've been hearing a lot about GIFT and how That is beginning to be used more consistently, but I was struck by how few compliments, like I was seeing the grievances and the complaints, but the compliments has also, um, you know, reduced so markedly. And again, so much happening with, uh, with COVID and stretched and new staff and registry and You know, travelers and all of that. And so I can uh, not uh, just the churn in the um, that that every hospital is seeing. So we are no different from that. But I know that uh, as we think about like patient experience, uh, those are top of your mind as well. Yeah.
11: Yes. Thank you for that. I, I think with compliments, people just don't tend to give a lot of compliments, they will give complaints. Um, so part of our work is really looking at any trends and complaints, um, you know, same with harm. We, we really are looking for trends and, and where we can improve and, and how can we be proactive in, in um, doing better by our patients. So when with patient experience, that's the beauty of GIFT is that you're giving the patient the information that they need to have without them having to ask for it. Um, which really just puts them in a, you know, it just brings their anxiety way down. Um, When you're proactively telling them, a lot of times when patients come into the healthcare environment, you know, we already know that they're nervous. Sometimes they look up to the healthcare team, they're afraid to ask questions. But if you give them the information that they need, I think it just sets the tone for, you know, their care moving forward. And it sort of starts to build the trust with the healthcare team. Um, So that's one of the reasons the gift is, is Pretty important. It's an important strategy for us, Trustee.
0: Thank you, Trustee Jensen.
3: Um, yeah, I. When you were talking, we were talking about the um, the future and the the dashboard, and I. It. It. Uh, of course, I. I agree that the um, the quality and um, and experience metrics definitely should remain, but. It seems to me that the um, the access metrics, especially, it, it, we we need to address and we need to to measure length of stay and um, and available appointments. But I think to your I think that some of those have become a little bit less um, relevant. Not maybe not less relevant, but um, less effective measures, especially. Since we are doing um, well over the pandemic, we've done telemedicine visits, which may have changed the um, appointment, the time to next available appointment. And my but my main point is about the, um, the access with regard to ED. We have one, we have one, um, one um, measure here, the median time from decision to admit to inpatient bed. And that's for ED admissions, but why don't we look at, because we've been talking about it a lot, we should probably maybe look at the um, actual admission to the ED and how that has been working and how effective that is. And that's my only comment.
6: Thank okay. you, Trustee Janice. Dr. Tornaveni. So I, I'm really excited to start moving into the planning phases around next year. We have a you know series of meetings that we're already um, starting to plan on this, and and one of the things that I, I we might find and as something you know that we might bring forward later is that certainly we have an available catalog of of metrics, but one of the things I feel like as being uh, you know attending all of our all of our um, kind of planning meetings for our quit metrics is that building metrics, doing the data build and then doing the validation can take months. And so then will there be a metric that we find that we say, this is really, really important and it might not be available For July 1, but we really want to have it on our dashboard. And once it gets built and validated, we'll add it. I just wanted to put that out there as something that that perhaps not let's not be perhaps constrained um, by what we have, but look to maybe what we need to build um, in order to measure what we want to measure.
0: Thank you, Dr. Tornabene. All right, Ms. Torres, back to you.
11: Thank you. So I will stop sharing and move on to the um, patient safety report. Um, our harm rate is at 3.9% again. So it's been, um, when we look at year to date, it's been about 3.9% for the last quarter. Goal is 3.5. So we are seeing a little bit more harm um, than we'd like to see. We had event, uh, 15 events uh, that occurred this month. Um, And when we look at the trend, as as I mentioned earlier, we are looking at trends. Um, We do have a trend with falls um, and with skin uh, or pressure ulcers and also with treatment delays. So with falls, and I think I talked about this last month, nursing has been putting a lot of work into the falls and the skin. Um, they are starting a new nursing quality review committee where they will be reviewing these cases, but also with regards to the falls, they're looking at the policy, the debrief tool and the tele-sitter uh, program. Um, and as it was mentioned earlier, we have the culture of safety survey that did open in early, late February, and it will stay open till uh, sometime next week. So we're hoping to reach an 80% uh, response rate with that.
0: I heard that Highland uh, uh, is at eighty percent. Eighty-five.
11: Eighty-five.
1: Eighty-five, inclining.
11: <laughs> right. So there's some friendly competition occurring there. <laughs> I, I, yeah, um,
0: I heard about this friendly competition between the CAOs. Or <laughs> 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 there's a lot of smack talking.
11: Yeah. So we're looking forward to to getting the results and then starting the debrief process um, again. Um, with regard to regulatory, we did have our joint commission consultant on site earlier this month um, to look at high risk uh, areas and to do education around some of their her findings. Um, so that was great to have. We did have four reportable events, um, which were. Uh, an equipment failure, a fall, um, an alleged sexual assault, and a patient-to-patient assault. So with the alleged sexual assault, that was a patient that said she had been sexually assaulted but refused to provide any information, refused to have an exam, um, and really refused everything. So there isn't really much that we could have done with that one. Um, As Dr. Alfazi, I mentioned we did have our EMTALA survey um, response came back to us. We do have, um, we prepared a response, which is due back on Friday, and that's ready to go. And we're still waiting for our surveys with Alameda Hospital and with the stroke survey, which did become virtual, but we don't have a date yet. So, and who knows now as the COVID cases start to decrease, we don't know whether that would switch from a virtual back to an in-person survey. And that concludes my report. Are there any questions?
0: Trustees, any comments or questions for Ms. Torres or the, or the quality team?
7: No. I uh, just regarding the dashboard and the equity measures, I'm so excited to see what comes uh, from equity. I feel like it could be so many uh, measures that end up being relevant to look at. And I'm curious about the process. I know you're going to have a series of meetings, but the process to, to streamline um, the right amount of data so that we can have something that makes sense, but also not lose Necessary context. And if it makes sense, if you can include us in on how you come to those conclusions, because the process, I think, will be very important, um, as important as the results.
6: Thank you. I absolutely welcome um, the input. Um, absolutely, you know, whether it's incorporating. Into um, the planning meetings or sending the information for feedback. I, I'm open to all ideas to make sure that we have a robust process. And before um, coming to the board meeting, mm-hmm. great.
0: Thank you. So, quality team, I, I'm proposing this will actually go on the, the tracking calendar. How about I propose uh, that in May you present your proposals for the True North dashboards, and we have that dialogue. And then that will be the springboard for a vote, a vote, an action item in June. Uh, Dr. Tornavene, Ms. Torres, does that sound like acceptable timelining?
11: Yes, I think
6: so. That sounds great. And Mm -hmm. Trustee Esteen, I'll I'll reach out to you um, directly. Cool, thank you. I'd also like to ask one other question. Go
7: for it. How will we also make sure that we're including uh, the other um, areas of the health system that I think were mentioned earlier, post-acute, Ambulatory behavior health clinics.
6: Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, we would need to have their voices in the, the planning meeting. As it is, some of the the makeup are um, a number of, of uh, you know our, our quality team and then physicians from across the system. Right now, I think that I can look at that list and make sure you know with the lens of how, do we have all parts of the system uh represented in in this work and and really make sure that we have full representation
7: yeah yeah that sounds wonderful because the if we're going to really address equity you know we have to mm-hmm. do this one thanks
0: it, it, it's the challenge of us as trustees right trustees is uh, how much data do we come to us what what belongs at a board level dashboard and remembering that every item is probably supported by you know, i don't know tens maybe even 50 or 100 other items so we can give focus to the roll up or whatever goes to the dashboard because mm-hmm. I, I, you know, right off the top of our heads we could probably name 10 or 15 which would be relevant for equity and but which one do we select for which one or ones do we select for the truth, this is, this is a great discussion i'm glad we're having. Um, trustees other comments from Ms. Torres and the quality uh, and compliance team and safety team. All right. Thank you for your report. And uh, uh, just uh, uh, for all presenters here, I, I'll say uh, Ms. Perez gave a key points summary in there. Key points makes it very digestible for this board of trustees. So key points are are, are very very helpful. So that that was well, really appreciated. It was like six simple to read bullet points in it because it can become overwhelming for uh, for the lay people and even people who do some of this work to become overwhelmed by it. So. We appreciate all the work that you guys always do. So with that, we'll close out item D, I see no hands. And we'll go to item E, the marquee presentation. I'm giving this one to Dr. Tornabene to lead us in.
6: Thank you so much. So um, it is with great pleasure that I introduce Mr. Ashford. He's our director of imaging services here at Alameda Health System. Um, Troy has um, jumped in with both feet here at Alameda Health System. And really one of the things that I have appreciated most already is that uh, Troy is so responsive to the needs of our patients and is working so collaboratively across the system. And I can't wait to hear um, more about his report, which is on Alameda Health System, MRI access. So with that, Troy, thank you so much for being here.
10: Um, good, up, good evening, everyone. I wanna thank you for giving me this opportunity to present. I'm going to be pulling up my, um, my slides.
0: And as a lead in uh, trustees, you know, we've been hearing about these issues at the Chief of Staff report for quite some time about access. So, uh, Mr. Mr. Ashford's uh, work in this regard is going to be really appreciated.
10: Okay. Um, so, um, my name is Troy Ashford, I'm the Director of Imaging Services. I've been with Alameda Health Systems for about six months. Um, my background is in MRI, um, I taught MRI safety, and um, I, at one point, operated um, seven MRI um, units, managed them, um, um, with two dedicated pediatrics MRI units.
5: Roy, your, your slides aren't
10: showing. Okay. Give me, I'm share <laughs> and...
0: And Mr. Ashford, if you need the assist, we can have the clerk of the board pull it up and you, you can just go old school and call slide and then we can move, move, move it. If that, if that, is that easier for you?
10: Um, let me see if this work and if this works and um, did it come up?
0: Yeah, yep. there we go. You're, you're, okay. you're up and running. You're just not in presentation mode, but it looks good. There
10: we go.
0: There you go, sir. Thank you.
10: This. Um, Alameda Health Systems is committed to providing timely magnetic imaging MRI access throughout the system to our community we serve. MRI is an essential medical imaging resource that requires detailed, tailored processes to ensure safe, efficient, and timely patient care. Over the past several months, the Alameda Health System Imaging Leadership Team and other department leaders have been working on improving MRI access across the system. I want to thank the Alameda Health System Leadership Team for providing me with this opportunity to discuss the progress we have made and the ongoing process improvements we are working on to ensure timely access to MRI exams. So, right here, I have Alameda Health Systems 2021 MRI volume. And the total volume for the health system in 2021 was 6,353 um, exams. We also, it's broken up because you have a magnet at We have a magnet at Highland um, Hospital, and then we share a magnet with um, San Leandro and Alameda. However, due to the construction um, program that's going on at um, San Leandro, there's only one pad. Therefore, the magnet is currently stationed at Alameda. And that's why you do not see any um, volume down here for um, San Leandro. The San Leandro patients are going over to Alameda. The 2022 MRI volume year to date is 1,452 exams between the MRI scanners that we have. My Projected volume um, with a 20% efficiency increase, the targeted projection volume will be 6,743 exams. And I will explain um, the efficiencies increases later on in the presentation. Those are the things we're waking, we're working on to improve access. Challenges. Alameda Health System struggles to meet MRI access demands for outpatients, inpatients, ED patients as of and ED patients, as of 311, 2022, our MRI outpatient backlog was 263 exams. Alameda Health System has three MRI scanners. One is a 3T that's located um, in the disk um, imaging department. The other one is a GE 1.5 MRI magnet. And currently, this magnet is also located at Highland. However, it is being upgraded. So therefore, we only have two magnets. The anticipated completion date for this project is um, this summer when this um, project should be completed. So we will be back up to having um, three magnets. Highland Hospital is is an American College of Surgeons ACS accredited level one trauma center. As a level one trauma center, we need to provide 24 seven MRI access. And I will be explaining what we are doing to, um, to meet this requirement later on in the presentation. Also, one of the challenges is right now there is a national shortage of radiology technologists and finding and retaining qualified imaging candidate is a challenge right now, especially in advanced imaging modalities such as MRI, ultrasound, and mammography. And I will be also later on explaining what we are doing to um, recruit and what I am working on to ensure that when that 1.5 magnet comes up, Uh, we are ready um, to have, we will have the staff necessary to run that magnet. So once again, I discussed that um, we have one scanner at um, Highland Hospital. We have another scanner, which is the GE, and then we have a scanner at Alameda and San Leandro. This is contracted um, services through Alliance. And this this magnet MRI trailer used to go back and forth between San Leandro and Alameda. Um, however, due to the construction project, it's stationary right now at Alameda. Now I'm going to go into the meat of my presentation. Highland um, Hospital has a, a, a GE3T MRI scanner. Currently, it's the only functional MRI scanner at Highland Hospital located in the disc department in the ACT building. Hours of operation for this magnet are Monday through Friday, 7.30 a.m. to 12 a.m. midnight. We also offer Saturday and Sunday services from 8 a.m. to 4.30. Um, Highland Hospital scanner number two is the um, GE 1.5 magnet, and that's the magnet that is currently down. Once this magnet comes up, our ability to provide timely access will greatly improve. So one of the things that we're doing to try to improve access right now, when I talked about that 260 patient backlog that we have, I'm kind of at max capacity at how many hours I can offer at um, Highland. And due to the staffing, what we're doing is we're sending some of our patients over to the Alliance trailer at Alameda. So our Our Alameda patients are going over to, um, I mean, our Highland patients, I'm sorry, everyone. Our Highland patients are going over to Alameda to get their um, MRI scans just to help with the backlog. The Alliance Imaging MRI Trailer trailer, services Alameda, San Leandro, and um, Highland. We currently offer MRI services. At Alameda, seven days per week, and that also helps um, with access for the Alameda patients, especially those um, in the ED. And so, by offering seven days a week access at Alameda, we we currently don't need to trans uh, transfer patients over to Highland if they need an MRI. Um, so that when we implemented that, um, that was good for um, Alameda and the San Leandro patients. Um, weekend MRI access, um, we are working on even extending our access even more. So currently right now, and I've been in communication with um, Alliance and we are going to be extending the MRI service line at Alameda from 6.30 a.m. to 7.15 p.m. in the evening. Currently right now, the magnet closes at um, four o'clock. So this, Every little bit helps right now um, with the ability to be able to get additional um, patients done. We, we have calculated we will be able to get approximately on these days another four to five patient scan depending on if, they, if it's a four hour, um, depending on if it's a half an hour exam or if it's an hour exam. So once again, we are trying to maximize our current resources we have to bring down um, our patient um, backlog that we have. So this is the MRI backlog. Back in um, the beginning of the year, um, I started to track our MRI um, backlog. And over here, you can see MRI pending orders by facility as of 311, um, 2022. Alameda, three. CHCN MRIs, 29. As you can see, the majority of our backlog stems from Highland. And um, San Leandro, they have 34. So if you consider the combined volume between Alameda, and San Leandro, and um, the number of MRIs that can be performed today, there is more than enough um, time slots for us to slide right now um, to move some of our patients from HGH, Highland, over to the Alameda um, MRI scanner to work down our backlog. Now, at 118, 2022, we were 425 patients behind. And then at 126, 2022, we are 399. As you can see, we have been chipping away. But right now, I believe we're at a steady state as meaning that the number of MRIs that we're performing right now, we're getting the similar number of um, orders coming in. So that's why on the previous slide, when I was looking for more ways to reduce the backlog and with working with Alliance, we came up with Tuesday, Thursday and Friday that they would be able to provide us with some additional um, uh, magnet time. And um once again, every little bit um, helps because if you're doing four patients extra a day, 8, 12, um, you you're, you're, you're talking you're chipping away at it, but you're still in one month, you can do about 48 exams by just offering these um, additional time slots. Improving access by, re- by reducing the backlog extending um, services. So I, I talked about this in addition to offering MRI service at Alameda Monday to Friday we are now offering MRI services on Saturday and Sunday at um, Alameda. Extending services on Tuesday Thursdays and Fridays from our start time would be 6:30 a.m and we will end at 7:15 p.m. We can get an additional, four to five patients done during um, these extended days. Reducing MRI backlog also depends on resource utilization. And what I mean by that is managing increased MRI volume through the appropriate use criteria for advanced diagnostic imaging. And that is just to ensure that the there's a proper methodology um, that is used when we're ordering exams, and what I mean by that is if an MRI should not be the very first exam that's ordered, and I will give a very simple example for this. So, if you had a patient that fell down. You wouldn't want to go um, and bump their knee. You wouldn't want to go directly to an MRI. You want to uh, maybe want to start out with an x-ray exam. And the appropriate use criteria established through the Protecting Access to Medicare Act, PAMA, of 2014 directed CMS to require physicians to review specific criteria before imaging services are ordered on advanced imaging modalities. And that's to ensure that the the resources are being utilized um, most efficiently. Improving MRI department workflow and productivity Also is a process improvement process. And one of the things, and I want to thank the foundation um, for, um, the foundation will be um, purchasing the MRI, additional MRI table for the um, MRI department. This is very important because right now we are not efficient as we should be. Um, my experience when I worked as an MRI technologist, the exam room turnaround time was two to five minutes, no more. You had We had two tables, uh, meaning that two MRI tables, one patient was in the room getting their scan done, and then the other t- patient was being set up for their MRI exam. So when you pull the one patient out of the room, the next patient was immediately pushed into the room so you can start their procedure immediately um, within three to five minutes. By doing that, and depending on what type of patient that you're taking care of, there are times when you can save as much as 15 minutes in a room turnaround time. So if you have an ICU patient in the MRI um, department and you only have one table, and you're gonna have a delay because what you would need to do is you can't have that patient ready to go into the magnet um, after the next patient is finished or, You have to wait until you get that ICU patient off the table, clean it up before you can put your next patient on. So by having two MRI tables, you can actually create another approximately two, um, up to approximately two time slots a day. And when you're in a situation where we are right now is, Those extra time slots are very important for our inpatients and our ED patients, being able to have that extra time to um, to get that emergency patient's um, MRI um, performed. Another process improvement that we have now, if we have a tech aid. So the MRI technologist's responsibility is, other than taking care of his patient, their primary responsibility is the scan. If the MRI technologist is not scanning, you're not utilizing your your magnitude of fullest capacity. So by having a tech aid, getting patients changed, doing the screening, um, doing the preliminary setup of the coil, the coil is the imaging device that you use to take the images, And have that second table set up. So when the MRI technologist is finished um, their exam, they give a call out to the tech aide and they they let them know, I'll be done in five minutes. So when they're actually done, the tech aide can pull the patient out and either the MRI tech or the tech aide can push the next patient into the room immediately after the exam, rather than once again, waiting up to sometimes 15 minutes to get a patient off the table. So one of the major challenges we have with access right now, at Alameda Health System is that our GE 1.5 magnet upgrade is, is, is not completed. It is scheduled to be completed. Excuse me. It is scheduled to be completed uh, mid-summer of 2022. We just received Oshpod approval to move forward um, with this project. Um, and now the team is meeting every Friday to make sure that this project stays on track. Um, The the completion of the GE 1.5T is crucial for improving Alameda Health System MRI access and eliminating the MRI patient backlog. Once again, um, MRI. I mean, Highland Hospital is a level one trauma center, and we have to be able to provide twenty four seven MRI access. Now, we have a challenge here too that I am working through. I'm. Um, I during our our department meeting today, um, I already discussed it with the. I already had conversations with the union because I didn't want it to be perceived that I was bargaining, um, that I was independently bargaining. So I, I informed the union what our intentions were, what we needed to do, and we actually have some positive feedback from our technologists that they are willing to take calls. However, some of our technologists live outside of a one hour callback um, timeframe. So we have some challenges to work um, um, through there. So I think when we go to provide our 24 seven MRI access with opening up the new G, I mean, the upgraded GE 1.5 magnet, we're going to have to hire new technologists um, to, do, um, to open that magnet up anyway. And one of the conversations that we will be having with those technologists is the responsibility um, to take call. But we are making progress on providing 24 um, seven MRI access. Also at, at um, Alameda, we have a pilot program for MRI fast brain protocol rapid diagnostic evaluation for acute ischemic stroke patients. Um, that we have a one of the challenges that we were faced with this program is um, was the ability to monitor these patients out on the MRI trailer. Um, so we have an MRI compatible monitor. We arranged for training for the nurses so they can be trained on how to work the monitor. And we had a successful case where they brought a patient out and they were able to monitor the patient um, while they were having their MRI procedure. Now, the plan is eventually that any patients that needs monitoring over at um, Alameda if it's a ICU patient, if it's an ED patient, they will be able to go out and receive the same level of care that they receive at Highland Hospital, uh, meaning that they can be monitored during their MRI exam.
0: Mr. Ashford, is it possible? Uh, uh, very much enjoying this. Is your know, very detailed? Is it possible? to bring us towards conclusion within the next three to five minutes? Yes, I can go. I can
10: speed it up. I apologize.
0: No, no apologies. Uh, okay. this is, it shows your depth of understanding of this, which is okay. Um, I'll speed it up.
10: Um, one of the things we were doing to improve MRI access was um, we were doing, um, I had the tech aides start doing reminder calls and reminder calls because we had a high volume of patients um, not showing up. So out of 194 patients that we had reminder calls um, and 75%, 75 75.7 of those 194 patients, we were able to confirm. um, We we were able to call the patients and we confirmed those appointments. Um, 24.2%, we were unable to reach. Now, this is back once again back to the reminder calls. Um, MRI patients appointments confirmed. So, out of 139 appointments confirmed, um, we had appointments, the patient, we had 72.6% of those patients showed up. So um, I was just trying to see if reminder cars is, calls is going to work because any time slot lost is a lost opportunity to get an MRI exam completed. Um, 24, uh, 27.4% of the confirmed appointment calls, those patients didn't show up. So we still have some work to do getting our patients to come in for our um, exams. So we're still, we're trying to improve this work that we're doing here, and we're still um, collecting this data. Um, Patient delays. Um, Patient delays is a a, a big um, um, challenge in MRI. So out of 67 patients sampled, there was 39 patient delays. And I know everyone works hard. We was just collecting data as it is. And um, so 39.5, 35.9% of the patient delays was related to transportation delays. So that either there wasn't a transporter ready or um, they went up to the floor and the patient wasn't ready. Um, so those we categorize those under transporter delays. Then we had twenty-three um, percent of the sixty-seven delays were related to nursing delays, and and the nursing delays could have been the um, the um, the nurse was not able to come down with the patient at the time when this um, MRI was scheduled for, or there was a medication delay. Um, on something of that nature. And then we have a other delay. The other delay has to be re, um, I have to really look into this. It's as high as 41%. And that's related to a patient refusal, a patient in the bathroom um, for different reasons, the patient was not able to come down for their exams. So we are looking at all these um, reasons that are causing delays, which is taking up access in MRI. Um, The national radiology staffing shortages in MRI are real. Even before the COVID-19 pandemic, there was a shortage of radiologic technologists. According to the American Society of Radiologic Technologists, ASRT, 2021 survey in 2019, radiology departments in the U.S. was already experiencing 8.5 uh, percent staffing deficiencies of radiologic technologists. We feel that crunch today. Uh, my summary: I'll be able to get through this quickly. In 2022, uh, MRI access as Alameda Health System will improve when the GE. Um, upgrade construction progress is completed. We will be able to work down our outpatient MRI backlog and reduce inpatient and ED um, exam delays, and we will have two functional magnets at Highland. The outpatient MRI backlog at Alameda and um, CHCN and SLH San Leandro will also be significant, significantly reduced as HGH MRI outpatients will no longer need to go over to Alameda to have their MRI exams done. So it's going to increase access over in those areas. Having a second MRI table will impact our daily workflow. If you were able to save 15 minutes on room turnaround time, you can potentially perform or create another time slot for another patient. So actually you can probably create approximately two time slots um, a, um, a day by having a second MRI table. Are there still challenges and opportunity for it to improve? Yes. Um, in approximately four months, the GE 1.5 upgrade project will be completed. We will soon need to start the recruitment project Process and we will need tech, uh, technologists to run the magnet and support the need for 24/7 MRI access. In healthcare, we do work in we do not work in silos. A, it takes a team of dedicated healthcare professionals to care for our patients. During this presentation, I shared with you some data we collected as we were analyzing the effects of reminder calls and systemic workflow process delays. Um, getting our patients down to the MRI department at their scheduled time is crucial if we're going to improve access. I have more work to do here. In 2022, MRI access will improve at Alameda Health Systems. Um, in, at Alameda Health System, the imaging leadership team, and all of the departments will work with will work that we work with to provide timely MRI access. Are up to this challenge. Um, that is the end of my presentation. I apologize if it was too long.
7: We can't hear you, tapped.
5: You may want to log off and log back on quickly, Taff.
2: While we wait for Tap to join, thank you so much, Mr. Ashford, that was uh, so helpful. I had a question with the when the uh, when the next one comes in. Do you think our um, backlog will come to zero, or uh, like will there just another machine uh, can like make us be on track, or we would, would that would that be
10: enough? I'm currently, right now, and I believe with what, what phrase that we use is we're at our steady state, and that means that the number of exams that we are doing. We're seeing an equal number of requisitions coming in. So, we actually need that um, other magnet up where we can actually increase the volume to about 14 patients a day.
0: Sound check? Okay. Yes, we
6: hear you.
0: Thanks. Uh, Mr. Ashford, it's obvious you have a, a deep understanding of this, and thank you for. Guiding this, this is this is important stuff. I get. I think my suggestion, uh, uh, Dr. Tornabene uh, and the chiefs of staff, this would be a great uh, slide set for the for the general medical staff to have uh, uh, if it hasn't been given also already in the MEC format. Mr. Ashford, thank you for your work. We'll, we look to, uh, forward to hearing about the progress with MRI.
10: Um, thank you. I think we are in a good place to um, to meet our access demands in MRI in 2022.
3: Excellent. I actually have a question. If that's alright.
0: Oh, yes, Trustee Jensen, go for
3: it. Um, thank you. Thank you for the pres- presentation. And I, um, my question is um, just kind of quick question. So, how long has the the Highland scanner been out for? The one that's not working. The one point five. Yeah.
10: I, I have been with Alameda for about six months, I believe. Prior for that, um, maybe a, a, a year, um, the that it has been um, not in operation.
3: Okay, so that's that's helpful to know, and that kind of goes to Trustee Banerjee's question too. That will you anticipate that there will be um, a, a substantial reduction in the in the um, backlog. Once that is back online, yes. And, and, go ahead. And 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 and
10: um, our because of the location of that magnet, it, it's right next to the um, ED, and it'll be used for our um, um, uh, you know any emergency ED patients that needs an MRI, and um, for our twenty four seven access that will I foresee that being our twenty four seven hour access magnet.
3: And so you mentioned um, that it, that patients are being diverted from Highland to Alameda Hospital for MRIs, and um, you talked about just now, of course, about um, emergency MRIs and about the trauma center, and also about stroke MRIs. And so um, I'm wondering, and I didn't really get a sense of it. Sorry, it, how um, for these three scanners we're talking about the ones at Alameda Hospital and the two and the or the two scanners, the two acute. Scanners, I guess, at Highland and Alameda Hospital. Are these completely um, pretty much used by urgent or emergent patients?
10: Uh, they're used for of uh, a uh, 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 varies of uh, patients for outpatient, A patients, ED, ICU. Uh, we scan all patients on these magnets.
3: And then the CHCN is completely for outpatient? Uh, yes. Okay, so that's helpful to know. And then my last question. Well then, as you mentioned, the transport and um, nursing delays, those would only be for those, mainly be for the inpatient, um, the patients who are in house that need to get an MRI a schedule. Um, yes. Okay, thanks for your presentation. That was very informative.
0: Thank, thank you. you, Trustee Jensen. Trustee, has other questions? Mr. Ashford, thank you very much for your report. We'll close out item E now. We'll go to item F, which is planning calendar and issue tracking. So, as as discussed in May, we're proposing that the quality team give us a presentation on True North metrics in June. That will be an action item to vote about. I have a couple of other things which are potentially floating out, and I want the trustees to brainstorm on things that they would like to hear. Um, I, I think I'm, you know, I, I truck with Dr. Torna Benny on a couple of things. So Highland Health Advocates. Uh, is a really, really important thing uh, that has been, existed in this organization since roughly 13 or 4, 2013 or 14. They do some really good work, which I think would follow under equity. I think we'd like them to come present sometime in the near future. Complex care management, I think is also another uh, really important one to hear. Trustees Banerjee, Esteen, Jensen, any other uh, items uh, related to quality that you would like to hear in a future committee format trustee jensen
3: um, thank you i it when we i didn't bring this up when when the safety report came up but um there was some information about readmissions at alameda hospital and how that had not been reduced as much as we had hoped and um so what i think it, would be, it might be good i'm i'm aware of this i'm aware of the um the community paramedics program but i'm not sure that other members of the of the um, committee are aware of it. And it might be good to have a presentation about how that program is going and how those community paramedics are, at, the intent is to reduce readmissions by um, in improving outreach and care for for patients who um, tend to be coming to the ED and perhaps being admitted to ensure that patients are, are following the regimen prescribed. So I wonder if that might be something that we, would be interested in hearing about
0: yep. trustee Jensen please uh, I'm, I'm looking for clarity one more time a presentation on alameda based community paramedics who help with readmission rates is that is that or sorry whose work strives to reduce readmission rates at alameda hospital
3: right I mean te- okay. technically it's re- to reduce admissions re- to reduce um ed um visits but it also, by keeping patients out of the ED who tend to use the ED for primary care, it also can affect readmissions. So uh, maybe I didn't draw a clear line and maybe there isn't a clear line actually between readmissions and community paramedics, but it is um, a program that is hopefully affecting at least part of the, the um, care provided at Alameda Hospital.
0: Well, Trustee Jensen, nonetheless, let's actually put it on our tracking list and then we can talk with quality or our community partners or our CAOs to see how this might relate and, and find a way find a way in. Trustee Banerjee, Trustee Esteen, any ideas for uh, going forward?
2: This year, if, uh, I'd love to hear um, from our patient advisory. So if there are ways in which we can get the patient voice in the QPSC space to hear like how they inform, um, where we ha- how are we in partnership with them? So anything to do with either patient advisory, but also any kind of community linkages that's helping us with our quality. Like you know, about,
0: about two years ago, Trustee Banerjee, we asked for the patient affairs landscape. Uh, we, we never got to that report. So maybe this is time to revive. This is uh, that time. Yes. Um, Trustee Esteen, any any areas of interest specifically that you can think of? Got it, Trustee Um, um, Esteen. So uh, with that, uh, let's close out. uh, Trustee Jensen, is that an old hand or a new hand? Oh, got it. With that, let's close out item F and uh, Council.
5: Thank you, Chair Buket. The quality committee of the board will now move into closed session to consider those items as stated on the
0: agenda audience we're anticipating and not a very long closed session knock on wood maybe 15 minutes. But we'll come back and announce if there were any actions. I don't anticipate any announcements of actions. so if you're not here when we get back everyone have a great evening.
10: Thank you.
5: Council. The board, uh, the quality committee of the board met in closed session and approved the medical staff reports. There were no other reportable actions taken.
0: Thank you, everyone. This closes the Wednesday, March twenty third, twenty twenty two, QPSC. Everyone have a great evening.